it's that time of the week again. It's time for Chit Chat Across the Pond. This is episode number 513 for December 11th, 2017. And I'm your host, Allison Sheridan. This week, our guest is Bart Bouchotts with Programming by Stealth. We are on installment 45 of X, Bart. Wow. Hey, I keep did, saying that every week. I got to stop saying that. <laughs> well, did you see my tweet I sent out uh, a couple days ago? I dreamt that we were done and I was really sad. I was like, oh, it's over. I know everything. And in your dream, in your dream, were you 80? <laughs> yeah, apparently. I know I was very, very sad. I'd like you. I wasn't like, whew, finally got through that. It wasn't. It was just like, oh, this huge part of my fun is gone. It's over. There's Have no, no more. fear. Have no fear, Alison, because right now we are completely and utterly ignorant about anything that happens on the server side. We have no idea what a database is. We have so much more to learn. Yay. Okay, good. My and Ajax nightmares. is still a cleaning product in your head. <laughs> I like it. I like it. All right. So what are we doing this week? What we are doing. So, we, okay. So the main, what I promised you last week we are going to do, which is we're going to look at how arrays and strings have gotten better in ES6 and, oh, have they gotten better. Uh, but before we do that, and even before we mention my sample solution to the challenge from last time, I want to revisit let and const because... I've had a change of heart, and therefore I think I should explain how how I have changed, and and more importantly, why. Okay. So we 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 throughout this series we have been using var. So we declare a variable with var, and then we learned a few weeks ago that in ES6 we have lexically scoped alternatives, which are much much preferable to var, which is function scoped, and they are let and const. And at the time, I'm pretty sure what I said was something along the lines of, I just replace var with let, and every now and then I use const. Yeah, I think you accurate... said const was like, uh, uh, if you had a um, the gravitational constant would be const. And I thought, wow, that makes perfect sense. Everything is let except for that. Yeah, so const is for stuff that does, its value doesn't change. And that is a correct description of what const does, but my... Policy is probably policy sounds like an icky word, but uh, <laughs> my my sort of advice was I'm rescinding it. I've changed my mind. So what I said to you was what I was doing at the time, um, but I'm still relatively new to ESX, so I'm still in flux. And with the basically with a very good email from listener Jill, and uh, during last week's discussion with our last time's discussion with you, you had a slightly different solution to the challenge than I did, and yours was actually better. Ooh. So. I've decided to have a wee bit of a rethink, and I have decided that I'm going to invert my advice. Hmm. By default, use const unless you're intentionally making a variable whose value is going to change, in which case use let. And my reasoning is because it will push many more potential bugs into errors. And an error is easy to fix because it shouts at you, auga, auga. <laughs> And it has a line number assigned to it, and so it's easy to find. Whereas a bug is a tricky sob that takes that's an absolute. It might give you the wrong scene. answer. Yeah, I mean, bugs are evil. Errors, errors you can deal with. So by using const every time you don't expect the variable to change, if you accidentally change it, you will get an error, not a bug, an error. And I oh. much rather have errors than bugs. And so that's sort of, I call it defensive programming. You know, I, I try to write my code defensively. And to me, this is a defensive way of writing. Um, and also, I like to push as many er as many problems as possible to errors, which is why when I'm writing in Perl, I will use strict mode because that makes many more things into errors. I will run my Perl code through Perl Critic, which will criticize the bejesus out of it. <laughs> because again, it makes it much less likely you're going to make bugs. You're, I'm still human. There will be bugs but there can be as few as possible of them. So to basically the, the, the TLDR version, or I guess TLDL, <laughs> too long, didn't listen, um, <laughs> is default to using const unless you intend to assign multiple values to the variable. Multiple meaning uh, in sequence multiple, not in, as in Not a once and then leave it alone. Okay. Yes, in sequence, not in parallel. Like Maybe changing is a good word there. Changing values to the variable. No, it's multiple. multiple. I see what you're saying. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I'm going to use your solution to the previous challenge to illustrate my point. Okay. 
So the original code before it became ES6 code, the code I asked you to fix was a function in our cellular automaton called start. And on line 14 of that function, we do that stupid thing where we make a variable named self to keep a placeholder for the the outer functions this so that we can use it inside an anonymous function. So the anonymous function has its own this, which means we can't, when we say this, it's the wrong this. So we say var self equals this, and then we can use self to get at the this from the outer function. It's annoying. And you next know, week, you would sound like you an idiot. Have... <laughs> you would yeah. sound like an idiot to anybody who didn't understand exactly what you just said. <laughs> I think it's, it's a great sign of how far we've come that you do understand what I said. <laughs> Mostly, yeah. Now, the good news is next week, I'm going to teach you how never to have to do this again. Okay. Because ES6 also gives us a solution to this dumb self equals this nonsense. Uh, but for now, we, have, we, ha- we haven't learned that yet. So I said, you know, this code is part of the code. You, you know, everyone was asked to translate into ES6. And my solution, simply change line 14 from var self equals this to let self equals this. Now, let means that I could reassign the value of self without creating an error. The, the whole reason for creating this self variable was to retain a reference to the outer functions this. If the value changes, it is because I have done something stupid. <laughs> it is right. never going to be something I wanted to do because the point of that variable is to hold that reference. So if it changes, I have messed up colossally and introduced a bug. So in my solution, that whoopsie, would be a silent bug that would probably take half an hour to find. You, on the other hand, said const self equals this, which means if you made the same silly whoopsie I made, you'd get an error with a line number and you'd just fix it straight away because the page wouldn't have worked. It would have been pointed straight at the correct line. And that sort of made me go, oh, hang on a second. This same principle is can be generalized. And that point was hammered home by a very eloquent email from Jill, which basically came to the same conclusion. If you default to using const, your code will be more robust. And I love robust code. So <laughs> but, that by the way, is what I would I'm like to, to help you pat me on my little pumpkin head. I didn't do that by accident. I thought about it and thought, well, why would this ever change? Mm. It seems like this ought to be the same forever. Right. And you're correct in that completely. Your logic is completely sound. And that is exactly why. So. Before we finish talking about let and const, so that's sort of my example to show why I've decided to default to const. But I do want to talk about two more things before we move off. So the first is to say, I just want to hammer home a point that I know I am repeating myself, but I think I need to. How exactly JavaScript variables deal with objects? I want to revisit this point again, and then I want to revisit for loops and for in loops before we we move away from let versus const. So first off, a reminder. Sorry, I didn't mean that sense so patronizing. Um, (laughs) Some light revision. Um, A JavaScript variable can hold only four possible things. It can hold a Boolean, true or false. It can hold... A number, a numeric value, which can be a decimal value or an integer value. It can hold a string value, or it can hold a reference to an object. So everything is either a Boolean, a number, a string, or a reference to an object. Now, const says that the thing in the variable cannot change. So if you say const x equals true, that means that x is welded to the value true forever. Okay. If you say const x equals four, then x is welded to the value four forever. If you say const x equals the string boogers, then x is married to the value boogers forever. But if you say const x equal to new ca, new bartfisser.ca or whatever, Mm -hmm. what is welded is the reference. So that X can never refer to another object, but it does right. not say that the content of that object can't change, just that X can't point to any other object. So you can still, in this, in the new object you've created, add keys, change the value of keys. What's welded is the fact that you're always pointing to that object, but the object hasn't become read-only. So, the, so X would actually change. 
Yes, but it wouldn't be pointing at a different object. So that's the so bit it's the well. same object. Okay, so this is where I'm hoping you're going to jump to the example I wrote to you, because now that doesn't make sense. Because that's I thought. No. Uh, so well, it should have made more sense now. But let's let's look at your example. I'm going to just bring up Telegram again. Can you in? Okay, let me I, I can describe. I'll read it, it out quickly. You can read that it because it's actually very short code. Yeah. So okay. I put a bunch yeah. of console.logs in there so we don't have to read all those. But I said, let X equals seven. Mm-hmm. And then I said, uh, const Y equals X. Okay, stop. Okay, so let X equals seven. So even I made a variable named X and what is, what, what is inside it? Uh, a uh, numerical value. A numerical value. So the variable actually contains the actual value seven. Yes. Then we so said, now you're saying... Const y equals x, so that's a reference to x, right? No, no, x, no, x is not an object. Oh. X doesn't contain an object. Okay, so if, if 7 were an object, which it is not, which is why I used mm-hmm. were, um, that means it, then what I'm thinking would have made sense, but it's not. So we say const y equals x, uh, so y is 7 at this point. Yes. But now you're saying it is now married to 7. It doesn't ever yes. get to change. Because in my yes, next step, no I, divorce. Said, I said x becomes x plus 5. Uh, so X is now 12, mm-hmm. but Y stayed seven. Yes. Okay. Because, uh, but, because but only if... objects are passed by reference. Okay. Values okay. are passed as values. Objects are passed by reference. And variables, this variable in this case has a value, not an object. Yes. Okay. Okay. All right. So basically if it's a, a Boolean, a number or a string, when you do an assigned equal to, it's the value gets copied. Okay. If it's anything else, the reference gets copied. And that would have been true with variables. It's true with let. They all yes. sort of act the same at that point. Correct. Yes. Yes. If it's an, a reference of, to an object. Yeah, that was true of var. That is true of let. And that is true of const. That, that is. And I've been saying, this is probably the most repeated thing I've said, but I'm going to keep repeating it because it is not obvious. And different programming languages do these things differently as well. Okay. So that's why I keep on saying these things like a variable contains a reference to an object. And I keep on saying that everything is an object in JavaScript because <laughs> these things are non-obvious looking at the lines of code. Wait, but 7 so is not an object. But 7 is not an object. So you when said you say JavaScript is an object. <laughs> okay, I was, I was being hyperbolic, right? Because if it's yeah, a function, it's yeah. an object. If, you know, if it's a regular expression, it's an object. If, if it's anything apart from a Boolean, a number, or a string, it's an object. Everything else is objects. There are objects all over the place. So when you read that becomes equal to, in your mind, you can say becomes equal to the value of. Because yeah. that's actually what's happening. So the value of is either a Boolean, a number, a string, or a reference. <laughs> So you're either copying the value, you're always copying the value, but that value is either a number, a string, or a reference. And so whenever you're dealing with objects, what you copy is the reference. Actually, that's a good point. You're saying copy, and that's really important. You're copying it in. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So there we go. Excellent. Then I'm going to stop speaking because... (laughs) Constants are not always constant, though. Because if it's a reference to an object, it is constantly the reference to that object. But yes. the object so, itself may have values inside it which could change. Yes. So okay. in terms of if you were to physically peer into the RAM, the piece of RAM that is the constant will never have its value change. It will continue to point at the object. Mm-hmm. But it's a pointer. So yeah. what it's being pointed at is free to have its contents change. It's not glued. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is an important subtlety and it's bloody subtle. Mm-hmm. So now I want to revisit for and for in loops in terms of translating from using var to using const or let, which should we do in both of those cases? So let's start with a really dumb for loop. Well, not a dumb for loop, but a a simplistic for loop. So it's simply for var i equals one, i is less than or equal to 10, i plus plus, console.log, the string for space x space 10 concatenated with i concatenated with the string space equals space concatenated with the results of multiplying 4 by i. I am printing out the four times tables. Okay. Uh, that's a simple for loop. Now, the for loop is often described as something which programmers call syntactic sugar, hmm? which is a nice way of saying all a for loop is is a fancy pants way of writing a while loop. Right, right. So the actual, what's actually going on is shown underneath, which is var i equals zero semicolon. While i is less than or equal to 10, open curly brace, 
console.log, all of that gloop, semicolon, I++, semicolon, close the curly. So the I is declared outside the loop, and then throughout the loop, I's value is changing. Right. Which means you could not use const. Yes. So therefore, a normal for loop, when you're translating from var, will always be a let, or the loop will break. So I, I found an article uh, that was talking about const versus uh, versus let, and, and they kind of referred to these as like throwaway variables. Yeah, which is, yeah, because indeed, when you use let, it only exists inside the for loops curly braces. Yeah. So because it's a lexical scope, it's it's really, really tiny, the, the space over which it exists, which is why we love let so much. With var, you're making it exist for the entire function that contains that loop. Whereas right. with let, it only exists for the for the loop itself. So it's it yeah, it's disposable. It's like a it's it's like one of those modern uh, instead of having glass in your eye for contact lenses, we throw a bit of plastic in there that we we shove in the bin when we're done at the end of the day. It's, it's a disposable <laughs> variable. Right, right. So th the takeaway here is inside a traditional for loop, it's always let. Makes sense. So let i equals because otherwise okay. your loop will break. But a for in loop is a modern loop, and it does not work like that. So we have an example for in loop, which uh, so we create an object called TLA lib three letter acronym library, which defines three keys MPH, which maps to the string miles per hour, MPG, which maps to the string miles per gallon, and that was just much too much or much too imperial, so I went with KMH kilometers per hour, okay. or sorry kilometers per hour. Uh, and then we have a for loop. So for var TLA in TLA lib, console.log TLA concatenated with colon space concatenated with TLA lib TLA. So square bracket saying, give me the entry from the object that we're currently on. So that will print out MPG colon miles per gallon, MPH colon miles per hour, KMH colon kilometers per hour. Right. What's really going on there, again, that's kind of, the syntactic sugar is hiding what's really happening here. So I'm going to rewrite it so that you can see what's really happening with that for in shortcut. So again, we have a var TLA lib that hasn't changed. But on line six, what's really going on is you're getting an object.keys of TLA lib, which is going to return you three strings, MPH, MPG, and KMH, because they're the three keys in that object. So we have an array now, which we're doing a for each on. Then inside the for each, we're creating a new variable named TLA, which is the first argument in that anonymous function. And then we're console.logging it. So what do you notice? The var statement this time is inside the function. Whereas okay. with the for loop, the var statement was outside the while loop. It really was under the hood. So, so every time around the loop... block level variable we'll be dealing with. Is that right? Yeah. And okay. every time you go through the loop, you get a new TLA variable. Which means it actually really, really, really shouldn't change. Because if you're looping over an array, you don't want to change what it is you're looping over halfway through the loop. Wait a minute. You just said it's going to change, and then you said you want to hold it still. Right. Okay, sorry. Within each iteration, mm -hmm. you don't want it changing, right? So if you're gone the first time through the loop, you don't want MPG to change to something else until you're finished going through that one cycle. And then when you go through the cycle again, you want to change it because you're getting a whole fresh variable. So that should be a const. Hmm. Every time through the loop, it's a fresh variable, and it should not be changed for that iteration of the loop. And on the, on the for loop, every time we went through, the, through it, it was going to change? Yeah, on I the was... for loop, it's... Yeah, so the for loop is one I that gets used for every iteration of the loop. The for in loop, you get a fresh copy every time. Which is why Wait, it's a new const. and fresh are two different things. Well, I'm trying to I'm trying to say it in English, right? But I'm not. Um, I'm, they sound like synonyms. So when you say for let i equals one, we're saying we're right, getting so a fresh i each time no. through. No, 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 no. Sorry, if I said that, I could. Or new value. It. Maybe you said it the other way. Yeah, I, I think I said it the other way. It's there is one i variable that is re that is it is the one i variable whose value changes every time you go through the loop. Oh, it's not a different i. Bingo, it's it the is same a different I value the for the same I. Okay. Whereas TLA is a new TLA every single time. It's a fresh TLA. It's a different TLA because the var statement is inside the right? squirrely brackets. It's inside the for each, whereas okay. in the other one, the var statement was outside. 
Okay. So that's why for in loops are const. Hmm. So a traditional for loop is let, a newfangled for in loop is const. And we're about, we're going to learn another newfangled loop, which is a for of loop, and that's also a const. No, you could do it with a let, but it would be prone to bugs instead of errors. Exactly. Okay. So if we're okay. programming defensively, it is perfectly valid code to use. In fact, it's perfectly valid code to use var. It's just a bad idea. Yeah. And yeah. it's valid to use let. It's just not the best idea. So well, it's sort of like you want to start by hoping you can use const. If there's you have, yeah. but you have to find a reason you can't use const. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So that is exactly the change. We default to using const now. And if you default to using const, then a for in loop becomes a const yeah. by definition. Okay. That makes sense. Excellent. So based on all of that, I have redone my homework from the time before, from the previous set of homework, which I have released on GitHub, being all nice and transparent. So there is now a new tag release on GitHub with the tag PBS43 Challenge Solution V2. So if you like, you could compare PBS43 Challenge Solution with PBS43 Challenge Solution V2, and you could see all the places I changed my mind. It wasn't that many. But you will spot the example where Alison did her homework better than me. <laughs> How proud I am. This is a big, a hot letter day for me. So there we go. So I set you another challenge then, which was simply to do what you had done to the to the bartfizzer.ca.js file. To do that now to the test suite, which is test.js. So basically all of the ES6 you know, do that on the test suite. There was absolutely nothing to that task apart from tedious repetition, which is good to get it into people's heads, but I could not find a single interesting thing to talk about. But uh, getting repetition in our heads is exactly what I've been asking for. You know, I did get partway through it and that's when I started asking you about this and so I stopped, so I haven't actually finished the homework. Um, I I, so I wouldn't bother because you, when I, what I teach you today will allow you to do a better job of it and then you're actually doing next week homework. Okay, good. Um, I did want to say, though, if if I am looking at the test suite and mm-hmm. I change a var into const and I mm-hmm. push go on your test and everything turns blue, I don't get any scary red, and I recycle the, the automaton itself and make sure I get all the little colors changing and all sliders look like they're still there, does that mean I have not introduced an error into the test most probably so as long as you don't change both the spartvisor.ca.js file and the test.js file at the same time Mm -hmm. then you can be fairly confident you're not doing any harm which is why i've done them in lockstep as two separate challenges so last time we changed the file and kept the tests constant and we made sure nothing broke this time we're keeping the tested thing constant and updating our test library, and if we break our tests, that should cause red errors everywhere. Okay, great. So basically, I, there will be a link in the show notes to a tagged release, which will be very imaginative, named PBS44 Challenge Solution mm-hmm. on GitHub, where you can see the changes I have made. They are extremely by the book. It is basically lots and lots of let's become consts, a few examples of a function scoped X and Y being replaced with four or five throwaway disposable X and Ys within four loops. Uh, but again, nothing, nothing or chattering. It's just repetition of what we, we learned in the previous instance. So with that said, we can start doing some new stuff. Okie dokie. So let us start on arrays. So I am picking two new array-related features out of ES6. I am not saying that this is the only thing that has changed with regards to arrays in ES6. ES6 has lots of really cool, subtle improvements. I'm just highlighting the big stuff. So the first big stuff I want to highlight is how ES6 makes array-like objects less of a pain in the proverbials. Now, I'm going to use as an example the only array-like object we have met so far, uh, which is the special arguments object which exists inside every function. It looks like a duck, it quacks like a duck, but it's a goose. (laughs) It's array-like, but at the very last minute it turns out not to be. So you can say arguments, open square bracket, zero, close square bracket, and you will get back the first argument. You can say arguments, open square bracket, one, 
close curve bracket, and you'll get back the second argument. You can find out how many arguments there are with arguments.length. Sounds like a duck. So that, sure, <laughs> exactly. That looks very array-like. But the arguments object does not have the array prototype, which means it doesn't have any of the functions provided by that prototype. So for each loops do not work on the arguments object because although it quacks like a duck, it is in fact a goose. Okay. So you can't foreach the arguments object. Huh. So it's almost an array, and then just at the last second, when you try to treat it like one, it bites you in the backside, and you get an error going, no, there is no foreach function on this object. ES6 allows you a really easy way to deal with this. There is a static function which has been added to the array prototype, array with a capital A, called from. So you can say array.from, throw an arguments object in, and out will spit an array which contains all the same values as the arguments object, but it is a duck. In other words, it is an array. It converts your goose into a duck. Array.from. Now, how do I remember that? You want to make an array from the array-like thing. Okay. So you can see it in action. We have a function called args array test, which simply says array.from, which is passed a single argument of arguments, which sounds awfully confusing. And then I can simply say dot for each, and it will work just fine. Okay. So I can test it by passing it a single argument of boogers, and then I can pass it the two arguments boogers and snot, and the output will be arg zero boogers, and then the second time around, arg zero Sorry, the second time was bogeys and snot. So arg zero boogers, then arg zero bogeys, and then args one snot. So it's looping over the args just fine. So array.from allows us to convert an array-like object, like the arguments object, into a true blue array, where you can do anything you want to it that you can do to any other array because it is now a real array. Pinocchio has become a real boy, if you want to think of it that way. So it's actually sort of making it into an array. What it's actually doing is it's creating a whole fresh array, running a for loop to copy everything out of the thing that almost looks like an array but isn't quite an array and puts it into the real array and returns you the real array. So you used to have to do that yourself, which is a pain in the backside writing all those for loops. Whereas now you just say, dear JavaScript, do it for me, please. Array.from arguments. So it seems like a lot of stuff is like that where there was a way to deal with it, but it was it was hackery and why bother everybody with, if you're always doing this, why don't we just make a thing that does it? That sums up every change in ES6 that we've okay. come across so far. Nice. There are things ES6 does that were impossible to do before. But even, actually, no, even those can be simulated with one line of code becomes four lines of code kind of simulation. No, ES6 doesn't do anything new. It just does everything better. Hmm. So basically, ES6 was designed to solve pain points. What was making developers cranky? How about we solve that? (laughs) So this is is what we all want in the next revision of uh, Mac OS, right? We want the the ES6 release. Well, to a very large... When was the iOS version where we finally got cut, copy, paste? Was that iOS 3? I forget, but yeah, that was a good... That was quite a popular one. Yeah, so we've kind of had this happen a few times in our OSs where you have these major big changes, which is basically, yeah, we have all your pain points here, they are fixed, and you're like, yay! And then you find new pain points, and then a few years later, they get to do it again. Uh, But really, ES6 is is the biggest revision the language has had since it came out. ES6 is a huge update. Like, there are some nice things in ES7, but just not on the scale. Okay. Not on the scale. So the next most common, well, actually not the next most common, the single most common thing you will do with an array is loop over the array. You you will use an array to store an arbitrary amount of some things, and then in your code, you inevitably have to loop over that arbitrary amount of some things because you don't know up front whether you'll have four of them or 400 of them, so you have to use a loop. So we're forever saying four var i equals zero, i is less than the name of the array dot length i plus plus. Like your code is full of that. Not anymore. There is a new kind of loop whose sole function in life is to iterate. No, it's not its sole function in life. Among its functions in life is to easily iterate over arrays. And it's the for of loop, Hmm. which is a very close friend of for in. So for in is iterating over keys, for of is iterating over values. Okay, slow, so, say that slowly one more time. For in is iterating over keys. Key. 
And the four so of is the, the, the values. So key value yes. pairs. Four yes. in is the keys. Four of is the values. Yes, but hmm. it's the values on the assumption that the keys are numbers. In other words, it's for arrays and a few other things. We'll oh, so ke- keys are have to be numbers in this example? An array is an object where all the keys, where, where, where the keys, the keys in an array are numbers, right? The, the zeroth item in the array is the key zero and the value, whatever's in the array, because in JavaScript, arrays are just objects. Everything in JavaScript is an object. So uh, in other languages, arrays are different to objects. But in JavaScript, we simulate an array by having an object with the key zero, the key one, the key two. So hang on, we, we had an array just now where MPH was the key and the value was miles per hour. That was an object. Yeah, but everything's an object. Right. So that was not an array, but that was an object. An array wait, is wait, an wait. object. TLA lib was not, a, was not an array? Correct. It was an object. It was not an object. is a superclass, right? All dogs are animals. Not all animals are dogs. TLA... TLA lib is an object. It has key value pairs. Wow. I thought those were arrays all this time. Arrays are only two-dimensional. That is a true statement, but arrays have keys of 0, 1, 2, 3, 4. An okay. array can't have the key MPG. Actually, I meant one-dimensional. One <laughs> you can have an array of arrays, and then they suddenly become two-dimensional. Right, right. Okay. Huh. So in your MPG miles per hour example, an array would be 0 miles per hour, 1 miles per gallon, 2 kilometers per hour. Okay. The keys in an array are the numbers counting up from 0. An array is an so an array is an object that has the keys are zero one two three four five exactly and an array yeah no. it's what you just said yeah yeah okay all right so an array is a special case of object where instead of in an object the keys could be anything mm-hmm. in an array the keys are the numbers okay huh. so you think I'd have heard this before because I'm betting you've said it. It might I have been have, a long time ago. I ha- yes, I said, it definitely is a long time ago. And at that time, we hadn't learned about objects in the same depth. So I wouldn't have said it in exactly the same way. It's only now that I can say it to you like that, because we now... We have the language. Our understanding has grown, right? Yeah, okay. So as an example, I'm going to make a little array called mucus synonyms, because you have me completely thinking about boogers. <laughs> so var mucus synonyms equals... The array, buggers, bogies, snot. They're all synonyms for mucus. In fact, according to Wikipedia, they're synonyms for dried nasal mucus. <laughs> Thank you, Bart. And I actually Is your to goal to take up. this so far that I finally cry uncle and say, can we pick butterflies now? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... I'm going to use so we, good practice here. So yeah, var mucus synonyms is, uh, we've defined it as an array with, with three values, boogers, bogies, and snot, three strings. Yes, and under the hood, that is actually an object, index key zero pointing at the string boogers, key one pointing at the string bogies, and key two pointing at the string snot. Got it. And you, I would like you to mentally pretend that the word var there said const. I clearly have a bit of practice to do. <laughs> Maybe it'll be different by the time they see it. Yes, it probably will. Um, So I say console log, synonyms for dried nasal mucus, colon, and then we have our for of loop. So for const synonym of mucus synonyms, console.log, print out a star symbol concatenated with the synonym. So that will print out a nice markdown syntax bulleted list. Okay, hang on. For const synonym... So we want to, we want to, we've got a four of, mm-hmm. so that's looking at, this is going to look at the values, const mm-hmm. synonym of. Mucus synonyms. So the first time through the loop, synonym will be boogers. The second time through the loop, synonym will be bogies. The third time through the loop, synonym will be snot. If we change that of to an in, then the first time through the loop, it will be zero, uh. one, two. Because it's for of, it's boogers, bogies, snot. So I'm I'm still having trouble just reading it and thinking of how it's pulling those out. So we've got a for of loop. We're saying for const synonym. So this is the first time we've, it's still hard to not see var 
synonym equals or something. Uh, const synonym means I'm gonna I'm making a variable called synonym mm-hmm. of just of synonyms doesn't mucus synonyms doesn't. It's a loop, remember? So we're saying each time through the loop, we're gonna have we're gonna go we're gonna, for every synonym in synonyms, is how I think of it. So for all synonyms in the array, mucus synonyms do this. How do we know that that constant is pulling the values, the three values from that that array? Because by definition, that is what the documentation says for of does. That is that is what a for of loop does. That is by definition, if you get what I mean. Okay. I'll have to read that a few hundred times before that says it to me, you know? Absolutely. You will have okay. to practice, not just okay. read, write. <laughs> okay, even better. Yeah, you're going to, yeah. I mean, you're going to get used to these things by doing. That's how it's going to work. Uh, and that's it, right? That's all a for of loop is. There's not really much more I can say. So it's a case of practice using them. That's how they and, work. And this replaces what? That What would we have used to have done? So, Previously, you would have said for var i equals zero, i is less than mucus synonyms dot length i plus plus console.log, the string star concatenated with constant with mucus synonyms open square bracket i close square bracket. Okay. That might be good to to put that near this to say what this used to what it used to say. That's a good point. I'm sure I meant to do that. I just forgot to do that. Okay. Yeah, your other ones do. You have a, this is what you used to say. And look how awesome it is now. I yeah, I clearly meant to do that. Okay. Okay. So, yeah, you've made a note, Grace. Uh-huh. Um, so that's it for arrays. So we can turn array-like objects, especially the arguments object, which is the one we, we meet most often, into real arrays. So we can for each them and other things like that. We can reverse them. We can do all the cool stuff we can do with arrays. And now we have learned the for of loop, which is designed to do many things, including looping over arrays in a really nice way. So let's move on to strings. Since we're talking about for of loops, one of the most annoying things to do with strings is to loop over every character in a string. So I have a little piece of code here as an example, which randomizes the case of every letter in a string. Do you want to guess what the string might be? <laughs> Butterfly? <laughs> yeah, so imagine that said const. Actually, no, sorry, this is an example of old code. So yeah, read it as var my string equals boogers. Okay. That's where I went wrong. I'm writing a mix of old code and new code. Yeah, yeah. So var my string equals boogers. If I want to randomize every letter to be either upper or lower case, I'm going to need a for loop in old world. So I'm making a new variable var random case equals the empty string. And I'm saying for var i equals zero, i is less than my string dot length i plus plus. Then I'm saying var c for character equals my string dot car at i. So I'm sucking out the current character in the string. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying the random case plus equals becomes equal to what it was with something else showed on the end. Math dot random less than 0.5 question mark c dot to uppercase colon c dot to lowercase. Ooh, the ternary operator. So in other words, if the random number between 0 and 1 is less than 0.5, uppercase. Otherwise, lowercase. So every time you run that code, you'll get a different randomized capitalization of boogers. Okay, good, good. I, I remember that one. Before you read the next one, read it the way you will actually write it. Uh, to the people listening right now, we're looking at draft show notes. By the time you go look at the show notes, these are going to say it the right way. So go ahead and say it the right way. Okay. And I'll, I've made a note on this one too. Gotcha. So const my string equals boogers. Uh, we let random case equals the empty string because, of course, we're, we're building up that string. So it's not going to stay the same. It's starting off as an empty string and it's going to finish off as a string okay. with many letters in it. So it's let. Okay. Uh, oh, do you Wait, the first four? So it was it was const my string equals boogers because we're saying this is always going to be that object that we're creating here. That's it's not an object; it's oh, a string. So it's this is just a string. Sorry, sorry, gotcha. But it's this that one was const. Yeah, because we're not cha- we're not going to change boogers. Booger, my okay. string is going to my string is is wedded to being a booger. Okay, but uh, we're going to say uh, let random case equal uh, two quotes because that's going to be a string we're going to build up. Yes, so okay. it starts as the empty string, and then uh-huh. we build it up. So for const c of my string. Uh huh. Random case plus equals math dot random zero less than zero point five question mark c dot to uppercase colon c dot to lowercase. 
That's it. So for const c of my string, every time through the loop, c becomes the next character. And so we're looping over the characters in a string. Yes. So the first time through the loop, C is B. The second time, it's O. The third time, it's O. The fourth time, it's G, etc. So the for all loop works over strings as well as over arrays. That's still going to bother me, though, that C is changing, and yet we've declared it a constant. Every time through the loop, it's a fresh C. And so for that iteration through the loop, it shouldn't be changed. Because you're looping over that particular... It would make no sense to loop over B and then halfway through the loop change B to something else. Because then you're not looping over the B anymore, if you get what I mean. Yeah. So it's constant within each iteration because it's a fresh one every time around. So <laughs> It's constant because it's a fresh one. <laughs> yeah. There, right, but that's, there's nothing in real life that does that. It's not the same loaf of bread if it's fresh every day. Even if it's... The same loaf yeah, so I buy every day. Yeah, so it's your daily bread, and yet it's different every time. So you'd huh. still call it my, my toast, but it's not the same toast. It's fresh. Yes, so. Okay. Anyway, we'll, we'll leave people to figure out how to make peace with that. But that is, <laughs> that is how it works. It's still true, right? Yeah. It's still true whether you like it or not. I mean, think of it like the Copenhagen interpret of quant interpretation of quantum mechanics versus the, the many worlds interpretation. It doesn't matter how you decide to think about it. The universe is following the maths. <laughs> the JavaScript is following the rules. How you decide to reconcile that with your head is, is your problem. Uh, what's a physicist everybody's in love with nowadays? Um, the... Pauli. Uh, no, no, it, no, 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 uh, no. Oh, shoot, runs the thing in New York. Anyway, he says physics doesn't actually care whether you believe in it or not. Oh, yes, Neil deGrasse Tyson. <laughs> Neil deGrasse Tyson, thank you. <laughs> I think it was the physicist uh, Pauli who basically said, I don't care about the stupid argument of many worlds versus Copenhagen. The maths works, that's all I care about. <laughs> anyway, I'm now going to bring us on to what is my favoritest feature of the whole of ES6, I think. Template literals, which used to be called template strings in the early drafts of the standard. They're now called template literals. I'm still going to call them template strings because that just makes much more sense. But officially, they were renamed to template literals between the first draft and the final draft sometime. So until now, every time we wanted to build up a string, we had to do what we've been doing the whole way through our example so far today. We had to concatenate. We had to say something end the string, plus something else, plus start a new string, plus something else, plus start a new string. I mean, tedious. Not to mention it makes your code really hard to read. Yeah. Because it's always, it's, it's just full of all these pluses and starting quotes and ending quotes. No more. With a template string, you start a string with a back tick, which is that symbol, uh, it's on the same key as the tilde on my keyboard. Where is it on an American keyboard? The back tick you're saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's above the tab key, below the escape key. Okay, so it's in a different place, but nonetheless, you have one, which is yes. the important thing. Um, that back tick starts a template literal, and you write in there, it's all strings until you meet dollar open curly. And when you meet dollar open curly, it becomes a regular JavaScript expression until you meet the closing curly. So that expression can simply be a variable name, in which case the value of the variable gets shoved into the string. Or that expression could be any valid JavaScript, so two star or star math.py. Hmm. So we can say, given a radius of dollar, open squarely, or close squarely, comma, the circumference is dollar, open curly, two star or star math.py, close curly. And that will print out, given a radius of four, the circumference is whatever it is. Does the comma finish the, the JavaScript no. bit? No, the curly. Okay. You're, uh, I, I'm just asking because your um, uh, template there, the comma is black and not blue like the text is. But that, that should be part of the text, right? That is, that is part of the text, yeah. Well, the, the, obviously, the code highlighter is... Just it's not good that. at okay. ESA. Okay, that's good. But uh, it makes more sense to me than a, some random comma causing it. But yeah, yep. so dollar squirrely bracket R dollar, dollar, sorry, dollar squirrely bracket R squirrely bracket. That's the JavaScript. 
everything on either side that's still inside these tick marks is still uh, uh, string. just the string till we get to another dollar squirrely bracket. Yep. And wow. if you want if you want to include an actual back tick in your string, you have to use back tick backslash back tick. Okay. And if you want to include a backslash, it's backslash backslash because the backslash is the escape character. And if for some reason you want a dollar curly in your string, you'd have to use backslash dollar curly. <laughs> I'm all over that backslash. Backs- God, that's hard for me to say. Backslash thing uh, on account of me and my regex stuff. You know, I'm all over that now. <laughs> yeah, well, those backslashes are at least consistent. They're used in regexes. They're used in strings. They're, they're, they are sort of a thing that all of computer science seems to mostly agree on. Backslash means escape. So that's it for new stuff today. So my challenge, shockingly, is I would like you to update both the JavaScript file and the test file. So bartfisser.ca.js and test.js with everything you have learned so far. But I want you to do it in locks. I want you to do it as two separate tasks. Because of what we said earlier. (laughs) Exactly because of what we said earlier. So pick one. I don't care which. And do that one first to make sure nothing breaks. And then do the other one and make sure nothing breaks. Don't do it all at once. Now, we had never had the assignment from last week to change the um, the JavaScript to include everything we learned last week, but that little teacher's pet, Dorothy, already did that. There should have been extremely little to find. Oh, okay. <laughs> which is why I didn't set it as a challenge. Okay. So Dorothy may not have done quite as much as you think she did. <laughs> so very little to do. She d- still tried to do more, so I, I still yes. give her points for that. Absolutely. It's a thought that counts. Right. So, yes. Yeah, so everything we have learned up until now applied to both files. And then we will pick it up from there next time. Uh, our first order of business next time will be to get rid of our need for using these sudding this equals self, or sorry, self equals this nonsense. We are going to learn that ES6 has provided a mechanism for not having to do that. Again, a pain point crushed. And then we're going to make a start on the biggest pain point killing of all of ES6. The end of having to manually create prototypes because ES6 introduces the concept of classes to JavaScript. And classes are the mechanism just about every other language in the world uses for object orientation. Hmm. So... Just everyone who is coming to PBS, having learned another programming language first, has found prototypes head-explodingly weird. And when I teach classes, they're going to go, oh, thank goodness, it's just like C now. Sorry, (laughs) C++. Or it's just like Python or PHP. Or Actually, I don't know how Python works, but I'm assuming Python is going to have classes. Because pretty much everything has classes. It's just like Java now. So for people who are coming to PBS from other languages, this is going to be, oh, thank goodness, it's like being home. For people like yourself who've never seen classes, you're still going to like this because it makes the code easier to read and it makes it make more sense. The prototype syntax isn't clear or obvious. (laughs) The class syntax is. I'm glad to hear you say that. Oh, it's not obvious. It's it's oh, it's so not obvious, which is why I've been repeating it so often. Well, that sounds really cool. Um, I want to add something here at the end that is we've never done anything like this before, but it's something I think you're going to like. I forward uh, I sent an email to you that uh, today forwarding something to you from a gentleman named Ed Tobias. He has been mm-hmm. uh, he sent me a little JavaScript program that he wrote that solved a problem for him. He has giant text documents full of three-letter acronyms or 12-letter acronyms, and uh, they're, they're preceded by the, uh, the correct words, right? The full words, and then in parentheses is the, is the acronym. He wrote gotcha. a JavaScript to go through, find all the three-letter acronyms, and make a little table showing all of the definitions. And it was really okay. slick, and I really liked it. And I said, and I asked him, I said, did you already know JavaScript, or are you learning it in programming by stealth? And I just wanted you to read what, one line of what he said. He said, I knew a little JavaScript already, but it was piecemeal, just Googling what I needed to know to get the job done. What I'm learning from PBS is the right way to do it and the why behind the code. Yay! Isn't that awesome? That is absolutely, that makes me extremely happy. That, that, <laughs> is, that is exactly what I was hoping to do, because that's sort of what we did with Taming the Terminal. We we built it up from zero, right? We we started off with, you know, what is a terminal? And we took it from there. 
Whereas a lot of things tend to jump straight to LS and CD and stuff. And you're like, okay, great. You've learned to run. But at no point did we ever discuss what feet were. <laughs> right. And with the JavaScript, we've been building it up extremely slowly, which is why we're on episode 45. <laughs> and we were like 25% into their potential material, maybe. Wow. Wow. Maybe. Well, I, I really, I really liked what Ed did. Um, he gave me a link to what he did in Dropbox, and I, I've sent that to you. I mean, we could even put it in the show notes if you want. maybe I'll put it over on uh, Podfeet.com with the link to this show. Uh, yeah, I just think it's cool to see something in real use solving a real problem, and he's using all the same kind of stuff. I'll tell him to go back and get rid of those vars now, and uh, you know, get to work. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Well, this was fun. This was uh, this was all reduction in pain. This is kind of fun. I yeah. like I like these kind of episodes, Bart. Well, look, you're going to have a few more of them as we continue to learn about ES6. So that is that is ES6 function in life is 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 be programmer friendly. And I guess I mean you know we didn't really have a choice when we started to jump straight to ES6 because it wasn't quite ready. But even if we had it, probably would have been best to do it this way around because you're not going to understand why ES6 rocks. Unless you've done ES5. <laughs> or learning the pain first. You won't, you won't appreciate it if you don't, right? Yeah, it's like, why do we learn about limits? Because otherwise you won't like differentiation or integration, <laughs> whichever one of those it is. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, very cool, Bart. This was fun. Excellent. And until next time, happy computing. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Chit Chat Across the Pond. This show is not supported by ads. It's supported by you. If you learn from the show, or even if you're just merely entertained by the shows, please consider supporting the show. If you go to podfeet.com, there's a big red button in the top banner that says support the show. If you click it, that will reveal to you several ways to contribute. You can pledge a monthly amount using Patreon. You can use the Amazon affiliate link for your country. You can make a one-time donation using PayPal. Or you can record a listener review, which is an awesome way to contribute. You can always chat directly with me via Twitter at Podfeet or email me at allison at podfeet.com. You can join the conversation in Facebook by going to podfeet.com slash Facebook or on Google Plus at podfeet.com slash Google Plus. Thanks for listening and stay subscribed.